Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Heart of Markness podcast. The subject tonight is the September 21st, 1983 Prince's Trust Rock Gala concert. It's the night after the Arms concert, which was professionally released. And uh, same people, essentially the same set list. It's a little shorter. But um, the next night, which was not professionally released. So it's very important in that, first of all, you've got Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, Steve Winwood, Paul Rogers. No, not Paul Rogers. Sorry. Scrap that. Steve Winwood, Charlie Watts, Kenny Jones, Bill Wyman, all on stage together to support Ronnie Lane, the bass player from The Faces, who um, was suffering from multiple sclerosis, and they did um, a benefit concert for him to get a hyperbaric oxygen chamber um, in the city of London because he said uh, it was uh, rumored to really benefit um, the sufferers of MS. And But also for, for the, <clears throat> the purposes of this podcast, the reason that these shows are relevant is it's the public reappearance of Jimmy Page for the first time after the demise of Led Zeppelin in 1980. And um, as you should know, Jimmy was not in great shape at this point in his life, and he was pulling himself out of that abyss, and um, his friends were helping him. Eric Clapton was very concerned about it, um, apparently had a, a come-to-Jesus talk with him about addiction and consequences, etc. I don't know. That's that's neither here nor there, but... Um, Basically, this selfless act by these tremendous rock gods for their friend Ronnie, it was enough to bring everybody together and pull Jimmy out of it. And apparently there was a party at which people were talking about it, and Jimmy walked up and was like, why aren't you asking me to play? Why doesn't nobody, nobody wants to play with me? Well, that's because he was kind of a train wreck at that time. And this is now, it's still the early 80s, but um, we're approaching the mid-80s when people are getting out of that 70s drug fog I mean even Aerosmith was only going to be fucked up and still using for another couple years tops so Jimmy was was, uh, kind of uh, stuck at that point and his friends helped him out and plus he has a lot of star power and in fact even though he had not been publicly active he still was the biggest draw of the night and of the consequential uh, tour of the United States that happened um, later that year because he's Jimmy Page. So I'm featuring this night because it's excellent. It's really neat in that it's Jimmy's return. I think Jimmy's playing a little better, at least to my ears, than he was the night before when it might have been nerves, or maybe it's because the night before was professionally recorded and you can hear everything. And uh, sometimes that's not what you want when... uh, you may not be playing it 100%. But um, there's a lot to this that I'm not playing the whole show. I mean, Eric Clapton came out and did a set. Um, Steve Winwood came out and did a, a set. Andy Fairweather Low, who I think was from Chicken Shack. I can't remember. He's a dude, and he ended up playing. He's kind of like he had a band or was part of a, of a lower-tier band in the early 70s and then kind of became a go-to secondary guitarist for guys. Um 
I know he's toured with Roger Waters. I think he's done stuff with Clapton. I'm not sure. But anyways, he came out and sang a song, Man Smart, Woman Smarter. Uh, Jeff Beck came out and did a set. Holy shit. And then Jeff Beck's band, which um, I don't know the keyboard player's name, but Fernando Saunders on fretless bass. And maybe that fretless bass of Fernando Saunders was what kind of gave Jimmy the earworm to uh, go with Tony Franklin in the firm. Who knows? I mean, and I know Tony Franklin was Roy Harper's bass player, but maybe the dual reinforcement of Fernando Saunders and then Tony Franklin uh, gave Jimmy a taste for the fretless. Plus, it was the 80s and fretless bass was everywhere. Anyway, so uh, Simon Phillips on drums and uh, Fernando Saunders on bass for Jimmy's set. And they don't really do Jimmy any favors in that they don't know the material super tight. Neither does Steve Winwood. I mean, uh, the night before he was reading off a piece of paper, but that that's okay. I would, I would too. Um, but especially in, in stairway to heaven, um, drummers, man, same thing as live aid. You know, you've got drummers who, who think they know the song because everybody in the world knows stairway, but it's not that it's, 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 there's a lot there, and uh, Simon Phillips does not contribute much to that song, in my opinion. Anyways, it's neither here nor there, because you haven't even heard anything yet. All right, fellas. So, yeah, that's the thing. Basically, 1983, Jimmy's coming out of the um, abyss of the of the end of Zeppelin, of the end of his band, of the loss of his friend, of the loss of his writing partner and creative soulmate, who's now gone out to become successful by this point. What is this? September of 83. That was my freshman year of high school. Yeah. Um, pictures out 11 was already out. And I think principle of moments was out as well. Cause I know people were seeing Robert in my freshman year. So, I mean, you've got big log in the mood, all that stuff from that huge album. And, and if you weren't around Robert's principle of moments album was enormous he was an enormous solo star i'm in the mood for a melody i'm in the mood for a melody i'm in the mood was huge and then big log which is a solid song i know it was played to death in the 80s but that song is an amazing song an amazing song and he did it without jimmy page so Jimmy's dealing with all that. The loss of Zeppelin, the the knowledge that he's got addiction issues that he's you gotta face, and it comes to that point where it's like shit, I gotta deal with this. Um The loss of his band, the loss of his partner, and and then coming out trying to come out of that drug po- uh, party fog. <coughs> and suddenly it's nineteen eighty three, and last time that you were really clear headed would have been like what 1976 <laughs> so he's lost years you come out music has changed production has changed everything's going digital now um so i mean i admire i'm, I'm i've always been fascinated in this period of jimmy's life from the from the end of zeppelin um up to um you know really up until like the outrider album because he really put a lot of energy effort and will into getting back into the driver's seat from a position where he really wasn't playing 
consistently well. And then he changed the style of his playing. I mean, he wasn't playing Zeppelin songs. Remember that? These guys were not playing Zeppelin songs until 1988. Robert just wrote a million new songs and got famous with that. Um, which helped him to a degree, but by the, by, by the time the 80s were winding up, he started singing Zeppelin again because there comes a point when your audience is like, okay, that's great. That's great, but you're Robert Plant. Sing some fucking Zeppelin. You're Jimmy Page. Play some fucking Zeppelin. Yes, thank you for the firm. Thank you very much for the firm. Play some fucking Zeppelin. Um, and on the Arms concert, and on this show, he plays some fucking Zeppelin. He plays Stairway to Heaven, an instrumental version. But nonetheless, it's Stairway. It counts, right? So what are we going to go with here? Um, well, you know, I think we'll just go through Jimmy's set, and then there's a couple of bonus things that I want to play for you. Um, but yeah, let's go with Jimmy's set. He opened with Prelude, and on the video of the night before, from the night before, the 20th of September, he comes out on stage and everyone goes, rah, Jimmy Page, because he hasn't been seen on stage, and he hasn't played live in England since 1975. And then the last time he was on stage as Jimmy Page, not just maybe jamming with friends, uh, was in 1980 in Europe, not even in England. So there are a lot of folks losing their minds to see Jimmy. And this is before Hammer of the Gods and before the yellow journalism and that kind of confessional TMZ level <clears throat> paparazzi shit came out. So it wasn't commonly known. <laughs> that Jimmy might not be the Jimmy Page from The Song Remains the Same. And when he walked out, it was obvious, because I saw that video um, on MTV shortly. I think it was um, Jesus. Shortly after it was filmed, again, the beginning of uh, uh, my school year, 1983, I watched that video on MTV and was like, what? Because first of all, he came out and he didn't look like Jimmy Page to me because he had that gaunt, skeletal heroin thing going on um because i mean what did i know of jimmy page the pictures in circus magazine and uh the song remains the same <laughs> and that was not <laughs> this was not jimmy from the song remains the same unfortunately but he came out and he played stuff i didn't know playing the b-bender which i wasn't familiar with not the less paul and um i did not like it sam i am um so this is also going back to that 14, 15-year-old boy back then. Mark, give him another chance. This is some cool shit. So let's get to it. Prelude. Oh, yes, Prelude, the video, sorry. Um, you can look at it on YouTube. It starts with, I guess there's a pipe organ in the Royal Albert Hall, which is where this is. Same place as the Royal Albert Hall on the DVD from 1970. Um, again, this is not the Jimmy Page from 1970. But on the video... Um, the keyboard player, there's an organist on the organ, and Jimmy's playing Prelude, and it is nice. And what I didn't get as a child, and as a stupid, arrogant fanboy, who's was like, that's not Jimmy, Jimmy sucks. Um, but I get now is, is, is on that video, the very end of that song, the very last notes Jimmy plays are so unbelievably sublime and perfect that you should go listen to it just that -da -da -da, 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 da at the very end of prelude which is um taken from a, a chopin uh piece that jimmy uh 
adapted to guitar. It's very good. And um, this night, although not as magical as the night before to my ears, is still excellent. And let's listen to that. Prelude. Jimmy came out on stage. Now picture this. You're at this concert. You've already seen Clapton, Steve Winwood. Um, you're watching Charlie Watts playing drums all night. Bill Wyman is the de facto bass player for the for the All Stars, and um, so you just watch Jeff Beck, and you're like, "Oh my God, that is the greatest guitar player in the world!" Because dude, he came out and smoked everybody off that stage effortlessly. Jeff Beck is <sighs> orders of magnitude. Orders of magnitude greater. Um, and then Jimmy Page comes out, and nobody, and every, and people are waiting for Jimmy Page because he's Jimmy Page. He's outsold everybody on that stage for the last 10 years, 15 years. And uh, he's more legendary. He has more cachet. He has more star power. And he comes out, and he's got his Telecaster, and he starts off with this. And just imagine being in that hall, hearing this for the first time, going, oh my God. That is Jimmy fucking Page. Jimmy Page!
See? Not bad. <clears throat> the finish on the night before. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. With the with the organ playing. And at the exact same moment the organ re resolves to the final chord, Jimmy gets to that final note. And it is just <clears throat> so good. I mean, this is good too. That was that was fine. I mean, that's better than some of the preludes he did on the firm tours. And it does sound good with that with that organ, that pipe organ, for sure. Add some uh, you know gravitas to the situation. Now, Steve Winwood is singing vocals for these songs, which is uh, it's going to be "Who's to Blame" off the Death Wish Two soundtrack, which came out the year before. And um, it's a good voice for it. Steve does a great job. It, it, you know, I'm glad he was there to sing with Jimmy and support Jimmy in this. Paul Rogers, when they moved the tour to the United States, took over because Steve didn't go to the United States because he was recording um, whatever album he was recording. Ark of a Diver, maybe, or uh, Back in the High Life. I don't know. This is right before or maybe right in the middle of that little period when Steve Winwood went from being that guy from Traffic and the Spencer Davis group and those guys with the African Rhythm World albums to Steve Winwood, the darling of AOR radio throughout the 80s that you would listen to at work, <laughs> which is good. <clears throat> but it's, it's interesting for me to remember that Steve Winwood, the pop star of the 80s, on a level with like... Michael Bolton and Anita Baker, you know, in that same playlist. <coughs> that he was, you know, in a band with Clapton and Ginger Baker, and that he uh, did Traffic and all kinds of cool stuff. Sorry about that cough, everybody. It's not COVID. It's allergies. Oh, it is allergies. My 24-hour allergy pill just wore off. Interesting. That's so funny. Boop. Um... Okay, but anyways, Steve Winwood is singing vocals that Paul Rogers takes over for on the U.S. tour, which gets Jimmy and Paul working together and is the genesis of The Firm. And uh, so Steve Winwood is just an interesting little footnote and an interesting little asterisk in the history because um, he's a fantastic musician in his own right, and it, it would be neat to hear things that he and Jimmy had done. And one thing that I've always wanted to hear from the ARMS tour and the, this whole project is if you look at the home video that was released in the early 80s, and um, which sucks because since it's been professionally released, even though it was 30-something years ago, I can't do, a, I can't do a, um, a podcast on it without putting myself in, in peril. Um, and I wish, I'm sure l legally... It's a huge minefield. It would be it would be like juggling a hundred and fifty chainsaws to make this um, to get this released again because every single artist has their own management, and it's you know almost forty years after the fact. The the charity for which it was recorded, the Ronnie Lane Appeal for Arms. I'm certain that nonprofit doesn't exist anymore, and um, getting the releases it would it would be a nightmare but i wish they could because or i wish it would be you know bootlegged and released that way um because there was footage of the band rehearsing for the show and you have you know jimmy page eric clapton jeff beck charlie watts steve winwood ray cooper 
Bill Wyman, Kenny Jones, all of those guys in a room together just chilling in their little sweater vests and their blue jeans and just being middle-aged men because they were all pushing 40. Everybody's career was kind of um, in a pause as the, as the 70s were definitively over. And the 80s had not fully formed. I mean, what, new new wave was huge. And these guys were, uh, you know, pushing 40, which back then they were the first group to push through that middle-aged barrier of turning 40 and remaining relevant and not going on the oldies circuit. Like, you know, at that time when, you know, you could see a 40-year-old Chuck Berry or a 40-year-old Little Richard or a 40-year-old Jerry Lee Lewis, Bo Diddley, Elvis, <clears throat> all that stuff. You could see that in the 70s. Anyway, they'd be still just cranking along their stuff from, you know, the 50s with no new material and just like, here's what I'm doing. Um, whereas these guys pushed through and in the 80s were able to be the first group of rock and rollers as, as rock and roll turned 40. They were able to pull it off um, a little awkwardly. It was nobody's best material. But look, Clapton, huge takeoff. In the 80s. Huge. Steve Winwood, we just discussed that. Huge. He became the biggest star in the 80s, in his 40s, in his middle years. Um, Jeff Beck is always Jeff Beck. Um, but Jimmy, you know, Jimmy had that dip, turned 40, got the firm, pushed through that. Outrider, you know, and Jimmy, uh, he tried. Um, and he succeeded. He got to, he got back to being Jimmy Page. I just wish he had done more with it. Oh, but fans were never satisfied. And I mean, if he were listening to this, I would be mortified. Because, Jimmy, I love you <laughs> so much. Oh, my God. All right. Enough of that. So, sorry. Long-winded tonight. Little horse, too. Allergies, man. Um... All right, so we finish Prelude. He goes into Who's to Blame, which let's listen to with young Steve Winwood providing vocal.
Sorry for the cutoff there at the end of my last little talk. I going to say Steve Winode on vocals, not Steve Winode on vocals. It's all right. I think you forgot already. But now I reminded you. All my flaws. Um, yep, yeah, there you go. That was good. I like that. I mean, the, the, the recording could be better. I get that. This is an audience recording. It's a first-generation audience recording. Um, a vinyl rip, <clears throat> which is better than the CD version of the same tape because it's taken from a higher generation. I have both. And uh, this is superior, and it is good enough to listen to. And um, I know this is kind of more esoteric and more niche market than the last 8 million of my episodes, which are all like, Led Zeppelin, this is awesome. Led Zeppelin, this is awesome. Led Zeppelin, this is awesome. We'll go back to that. I wanted to do this because, I mean, I, 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 I want to keep the podcast as I'm trying to grow it. I am trying to grow it and make make it more, you know, more appealing to the masses. And that's like saying, everybody, who likes pizza? Yay! Um, but this is, uh, this is a little more niche and I understand if you're not interested in this one, you can tap out no harm, no foul. Keep subscribed because it'll still be primarily Zeppelin. It'll be majority Zeppelin, but I do want to keep putting these little things in there because they interest the fuck out of me as a fan. And I want to interest the fuck out of other folks. Like, I mean, I've known about the arms tour. I have at one point, I think I had every arms show. Um, either in audio, uh, in audio and vi- audio or video, um, at one point just to have it, you know, the stuff from November in Dallas through the States to San Francisco, New York, LA and the London show. But I never had this particular one cause I always thought it was just like a typo or a misprint. It's like, ah, oh, they didn't do two shows in London. Well, yeah, they did. <coughs> well, who knew now I know now, you know. And now you can hear this. So he went after this. He went into City Sirens. City Sirens. Another song off of Death Wish. Both of these songs were carried over into The Firm. If you went to a Firm concert, you would hear these songs. And then if you went to an Outrider tour show, which I hope you did. Because, man, the Outrider tour was just fucking incredible. Fucking incredible. In fact... Go back and listen to the Outrider show I did a long time ago, a while back. Very, very, very good. Jesus Christ. That was the first time I, I saw Jimmy Page, even though I saw him on both firm tours. That Outrider show was the first time I saw Jimmy Page, and he came out and he was all the way back. And it was just, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> My God. Well, okay. Let's get into City Sirens. You can see all the lights and the sounds of those sirens. Good tune. Good guitar tune. Hey, it's a good country key. All right, let's get to it. I'll see you in a bit.
Yeah. That seems way better than the night before to me. And maybe it's because it's an audience recording. Um, but it just seems to me that Jimmy's not as uh, nervous, unsettled. I mean, the band seems a little tighter. He changed the song up a little bit. He used to do that a lot more. And I, I did not care for it uh, on the night before. But this was fucking good. Yay. I'm glad I've, I heard this. So that was it. City Sirens, that's all Jimmy did from Death Wish. Prelude was from Death Wish also. Or Death Wish 2. Ha, huh, I made a joke. Um, so those three songs were from the Death Wish 2 soundtrack, which Jimmy did. And um, now he's going to do Stairway to Heaven. And he's going to do it instrumental. And I'm not going to play the whole thing, because it literally is just him playing an instrumental stairway. And um, it was 1983, so Stairway was legendary. It was recognizable, but it wasn't like, oh, Stairway, that iconic archetypal City on the Hill song that we all hearken back to and hold our lighters up and, 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 and rise up and pay homage to, like it is now. Um, or like it was, I mean, even on the Outrider tour, in 88 when Jimmy did the same kind of thing an instrumental version of Stairway, Stairway but in that situation the entire audience sang the song for him and it was moving and it was touching and everybody got wrapped up in it and then it was huge it was amazing it was amazing um, interaction with audience energy this one um, is more like now remember this show, he was one of the headliners of this show. These are not people coming to see Jimmy Page, even though most of them were. Um, so there, it was more like people just standing going, okay, uh, Stairway, cool. Oh, no one's singing it? All right. Okay. Tapping their feet, moving their heads, but not pulled in to that communal, oh my God. And plus the fucking Prince of Wales was there and Princess Di and all that stuff. It was a command performance. So, uh, anyways, you're not going to listen to all that. Just silently for, you know, 10 minutes before it gets to the solo. I'm going to cut to the good part because the solo is fucking crazy good. And um, maybe it's because it's an audience recording and it sounds better and it's not just through the, the, the soundboard. But man, this seems to be way, way better than the night before. And maybe and I'm, and I'm sure the night before Jimmy had a huge case of nerves because it's it, it's it's the first time in Britain. It's the first time in public. It's the first time. And then you got to follow Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck, knowing that you're not at your best, knowing that you're struggling with things is <sighs> really cool. Um. Anyway. Stairway to Heaven, Jimmy Page, the good bits. Later on the tours, uh, Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton would come out and jam on the song with him. But it wasn't as cool as you'd think. Um, but this is, so enjoy it and hear a really cool solo played by Jimmy fucking Page.
Very, very, very good. Very, very, very good. I like that. And I'm sorry that I truncated the song. Maybe it's sacrilege, but... I mean, even towards the end there, you don't need to hear all that instrumental. If you want to, I'll, I'll put the show up on the website, heartofartist.com. You'll get the whole goddamn thing. Listen to it to your heart's content. Um, but this is what you get tonight. All right. <clears throat> and right there, that is the end. That is the entirety of Jimmy Page's set at the Arms Show, or the Prince's Trust Rock Gala. And uh, at this point... Everybody comes out on stage again. Clap, everybody. Clapton, Beck, comes out. Uh, you've got Charlie Watts playing drums, Kenny Jones playing drums, Simon Phillips playing drums, Ray Cooper sometimes playing drums, sometimes playing percussion. And uh, it's a crowded stage, man. I would not want to be running sound for that. But I wasn't, and, you know, it wasn't my job anyway, so why would I say that? Sorry. <clears throat> Because it would be it would be a pain in the ass. That's why. Um, so what they did is they came out and did some jams. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to switch to the night before. So what we've listened to up to this point has been Jimmy's set from September 21st, 1983. Now we're going to switch back to September 20th and play some songs that were professionally recorded and broadcast on the King Biscuit Flower Hour, but aren't officially available. So these are some of the jams <clears throat> that we're going to listen to. And the quality, it, it's going to be jarring because it's going to be professional quality now. It's going to be really nice. So at this point, um, Ronnie Lane himself came out and he was very uh, weak and fragile and he you know had to walk out slowly being you know supported by people holding his arms and um didn't have much gumption he, he was not in, in great shape and uh he would come out and sang a couple of his songs and one of which is called bomber's moon and it's a beautiful little song ronnie lane has written some sweet songs really sweet songs and um you should listen to his album that he did with pete townsend called rough mix some of the best songs man some of those beautiful songs ever written around that album and ronnie wrote them great great at the melancholy delivery but this song is called bomber's moon and you know you've got eric clapton jeff beck and jimmy page on it it is a beautiful little tune jimmy plays beautiful tasteful b bender and uh you're gonna like it and this is, again, from the 20th, the night before, and it's a professional recording, so you don't have to have your bootleg ears for this. It's going to sound great. i see you very, very shortly. Yeah, we'll do a number called Bomber's Moon. Thank you. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about the time we crossed the border. The stars in my ears, the moon beating down on the water. Said I've been thinking, I've been thinking about how young we were and feeling. To happen to hold that moment so old and the timeless. Oh, I had it once and the fall 
song really good song and you know i was gonna play a blues jam um after this but it just this seems like such a perfect uh place to wrap this up and the blues jam was nothing special it wasn't bad but it wasn't like oh my god you need to hear this um just didn't feel right so i deleted it and now we're going to wrap this up shortly. Now you'll be able to get this whole show and it's four discs, I think. Five. Five discs. There's the LP rip. You know, I'm just going to put the LP rip. No, I can't because there's different shit. I'll put everything up there. There's five discs total. There's the LP rip of this show, the CD rip of this show, which has slightly different running orders. Some songs are not on one, some songs are not on the other. And then um, the fifth disc is a bonus disc, which has that uh, King Crimson, not King Crimson, King, can you imagine? King Biscuit, Flower Hour, um, Stereo, the stuff that wasn't officially released, which is going to have the Blues Jam and Bomber's Moon and uh, Wonderful Tonight by Clapton and a couple songs by Steve Winwood. 
It'll be on my website, which brings us to my website, heartofmarkness.com. It's where you can find um, not only this podcast, which you don't need to, because if you're listening to it, you've already found it. But it has, uh, like I said, download links to the shows that we talk about. Most of the time, unless it really doesn't fit, um, you can go to heartofmarkness.com and download whatever show that we're talking about. Like this, you'll be able to download the entire show, getting Clapton set, Steve Winwood set, Jeff Beck's set, and Jimmy's set. The whole goddamn thing. For free. Because that's how we roll. I got it for free. Why shouldn't you? And, um... So yeah, there's that. There's also sometimes there's a little more information about things and there are posts on my site that aren't from the podcast. For example, uh, today I posted a recording of Tony Franklin's four track demo of the song Dreaming, which was on the firm's Mean Business album. And it's really, really good. He plays all the parts himself because it's a demo and, um, Listen to it. It's on my site, hardermarkness.com, as will this concert. So there's one place to find me. Another place to find me is Twitter, at Heart of Markness. That's me. Follow me. I tweet Zeppelin content, classic rock content, good stuff. You'll like it. Let's be friends. And on Facebook, there's a Facebook group, Heart of Markness. Join it. Hang out with other listeners. Talk about Zeppelin. Talk about good things. It's a really nice little community, and you're most welcome to join. So that's that. Oh, and if you like this podcast, and if you want to support it, you like me evangelizing the live Jimmy Page, the live Zeppelin, and these quarantine bonus episodes that I've been putting out while people are going crazy, while they're housebound, um, you are welcome to support it, the podcast, and myself at patreon.com slash heartofmarkness. That's me. And if you do support me um, on Patreon and become a patron, you will get an extra, you you can get, you can choose to get an extra episode of the podcast every month just for my patrons. I put mine out, um, April's just came out last week, last week, uh, last, I guess last week, I don't know, in the last couple days, um, it came out. So these guys got it and it dealt with some studio stuff, some uh, rehearsals and outtakes that I just can't really put out publicly. And uh, they got to listen to it. So consider that. So, yeah, if you want to be a patron, you'd be welcome to. This is always going to be a free podcast. There's never going to be stuff that isn't already free that's going to be, you know, going to charge you for later. That's that's stupid. But if you want to literally help Pay for the hosting, pay for the server space, pay for the website, help help with that, or just, like, I like this, here's some money. Um, always welcome, friends, always welcome. So, yeah, there we go. Next week, I'll try and do something a little more um, widely popular, go back to a nice Zep show. There's um, a slew of Australian ones that are getting remastered by uh, Dadgad. So maybe I'll do one of those. Who knows? But for now... For now, let me read off the role of my loyal patrons. These are the people that keep the lights on here at the Heart of Markness. So big thank you, honest thank you, loving thank you to Avi, Bill, Danielle, David, Other David, Jeremy, Mark, Mimo, Peter, and Tracy. Thank you very much, 
everybody for making this possible and keeping me honest and um you know having these guys pledging and and paying money every month because of this podcast and they like it it really gives me a a sense of responsibility and um duty to keep me from doing this because there's some nights like tonight for example tonight it was like six o'clock i'm like la 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 I have to do a podcast tonight. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I don't know what I was thinking. I put out bonus episodes. I put out patron episodes. But the actual fucking meat, not the potatoes, the meat of the meal, I totally spaced. So, uh, but back in the old days, that would have been like, eh, fuck them. I'll do it later. Now I have patrons. And I also have my own self-imposed, you're putting out a podcast every week. Thursday night is when you do it, so just fucking do it. And uh, that's been good. I haven't missed a week, Jesus, since July 2019. And I hope I don't ever miss a week again. I love doing this. I love it that you guys like it. I love it that every week there's more of you. And um, yeah, thank you for letting me do this. All right. I will probably do another bonus episode for the quarantine uh, over the weekend. I've got a nice kinks show from 1973 lined up. It is not a Mike Millard master, but it is an excellent audience recording nonetheless. And I'll probably get that up in the next couple days. And otherwise, thank you very much, everybody, for listening, for supporting. Um... Like I said, if you want to support the podcast, become a patron. That's cool. If you want to support the podcast but not give me money, also cool and understandable in these odd times. Leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you're on truly, truly, truly helps tremendously. So, yeah, if you're of a mind to, leave a review. It's very, uh, very, very helpful. Like, legitimately noticeable significant difference so thank you everybody and i will see you next time everybody be safe everybody be good